0: Thank you for hello. being a friend. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Career, the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And you may have just heard my guests say hello. We're having a little fun technical difficulties at the studio today, and I can't hear the studio, but we're just going to assume that they can hear us because I can hear my guest who I am so excited to have on. Let me tell you a little bit about him before we actually speak with him. So today I'm going to be speaking with Jeffrey James. That's Jeffrey with a G, who writes a daily column for Inc.com. Yes, you know, Inc.com, that little magazine, which is the website for Inc. magazine. He was recently named by Forbes Magazine as a Top 40 Social Media Marketing Master, and that's how he initially came to my attention. He's just written a new book, Business Without the Bull, well, let's just call it Business Without the B.F. The book has been getting great reviews, has consistently been the number one Amazon best seller in business etiquette, and is already in its second printing, even though it was just published in April. So welcome Jeffrey, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm having a wonderful day.
0: Great, great. Well, you know, I I loved your book. Um, Your publicist sent me a copy and I just really, you know, it was one of those things where as I was reading it, part part of me was thinking, this is why I'm not in corporate America anymore. But the other part of me was also thinking that it doesn't just apply to the workplace with employees and employers and bosses. And there are 49 secrets and shortcuts in this book that are really, very relevant. But you know, I was thinking, you know, in, in my position, my client is my boss, and so you know everything really did apply. plus. I volunteer on committees, and so that's kind of like a workplace. So that's why I think this book is so valuable for anyone, you know, not just employees and employers. It really is a great tool for anyone to be reading.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Um, one thing that I, point that I make very strongly in the book is that uh, your number one employee is always yourself. Right. And that one of the most important things you have to manage, the most important person you have to manage is yourself.
2: Mm -hmm. And in
1: my experience, most people are really bad bosses when it comes to being managers of themselves. Mm -hmm. They say mean things to themselves. Mm -hmm. They treat themselves in very mean ways. And a a big trick of becoming successful, regardless of whether you're working as a freelancer or working in a corporate environment, is learning how to best manage yourself and how how you're adapting how you're thinking and feeling about what's happening to you.
0: Right you know and and the whole purpose of the book really is you know' it's, it, it came from a lot of your, your daily columns in ink uh, magazine but it was you know to to show you how to manage yourself as, as you were just saying and then how to really have career security and it doesn't matter if you've got a job that you think is absolutely fabulous and you hope you're going to be there forever or if you're in the job market, you know it's all about creating job security um because whether we like it or not not every job is going to last forever and that goes for the people like me who own my own business or an employee or or something like that so we kind of always have to be positioning ourselves to make sure that that as you said we're managing ourselves so you know first why did you decide to write this book
1: no. I wrote it because it was demanded of me by my readers, essentially. Mm-hmm. They wanted um, a, a, a one-stop guide for the difficult situations that you run into at work.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I came up with 49 chapters that I think most authors would have taken one of those chapters and made an entire book out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I, I wanted to have something that was just uh, practical techniques, like five steps to handle this situation. Mm -hmm. You know, here are the 12 types of something. Just Mm -hmm. quick information that allows you to digest what's going on and come up with an action plan very quickly. Right. But underlying the entire book and all the 49 techniques is the concept of career security, Mm -hmm. which is the sense that you always have someplace else to go, always have someplace else to, uh, you know, to sell your services. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I recommend is that and this applies whether you run your own business or whether you're inside the business, is that you always have at least three other opportunities in certain stages of development.
2: Mm. Uh, you can't
1: depend upon what you're doing now. You can't depend on a single client or you can't mm-hmm. depend on the fact that your job is going to stay there. So it's extremely important for you to keep your options open right. because if you don't have those options open, you won't take the risks that you need to, to, to take to have a good work life and you mm-hmm. put yourself in the situation which many people are where they um, are imposed upon by where they work, and they mm-hmm. don't have the courage to stand up for themselves. And career security gives you the courage that you need to move your career forward.
0: Right. Well, and part of that comes in um, say it, it's time to negotiate for a raise. If you know that you have other options, that really puts you in a good position. Now, you might not really want to take any of those other options, but, you know, now obviously you're not going to go to your boss and say, give me a raise or else. But how do you use knowledge like that in something like, say, negotiating for a raise?
1: Well, there are people that have you know said I'm leaving
2: and waiting <laughs> mm-hmm. for the
1: counter offer and actually mm-hmm. sometimes that does that does mm-hmm. work it depends on how valuable you've made yourself right um, but in terms of salary negotiations knowing that gives you the opportunity to use salary negotiations and performance reviews as a form of negotiating what rewards you're going to get for achieving the goals you claim mm-hmm. you you say you're going to set at the beginning of the year And What often happens to people is they they go into a situation and they're given a set of goals and they're given a set of promises and then they exceed those goals and then the promises somehow disappear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of negotiating salaries and doing performance reviews is instead of looking at it as a grade that you're getting by an arbitrary judger, more as a negotiation, here's what we did, here's Mm -hmm. what happened, now Mm -hmm. where are we going to go forward from here? And so it's really a matter of... uh, of, of extracting firm promises and commitments from your boss right. to do certain things if you succeed in your goals and then holding them to that commitment. And mm-hmm. that's where you need the courage of career security. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you won't be willing to say, well, you've got to fulfill that commitment. Mm-hmm. You don't no, have and- to say, oh, I'll go somewhere else. The boss will know that because the boss will realize that you've got the skills and mm-hmm. the courage to find something else.
0: Right. And and a good boss really should be recognizing that every employee is potentially looking elsewhere all the time. Um, and so they should want to be taking the steps to keep their valuable employees. Now, you know, if, if they don't care, well, then maybe it's a place you should be thinking about leaving. But, you know, uh, it, it really is a process um throughout virtually everything you do and that's what i really liked about the book is you talk about things um in there and and no matter what it's one of the things that came through to me was keep a written record you know it doesn't really matter what is going on but keep that written record you know so then when you do have to go back and negotiate for maybe time off or uh, you know, the, the boss came to you and said, you're, you're slacking off, you didn't get this project done, or it's time to negotiate for the raise, or as you mentioned, it's time for your performance review. If you have that written documentation, that really is going to be to your benefit. Um, so, you know, talk to us a little bit more about really making sure that, that you're keeping track of what you are doing yourself.
1: Well, first, let me, I'll give you a reader's. Literally, it's literally a million dollar idea because if you do this throughout your career, you'll make at least a million dollars more over your lifetime. Anytime a customer, a client, a coworker, or a business partner gives you a compliment, mm-hmm. ask them to send you an email with that compliment in it and CC your boss. Cool. That one move, that mm-hmm. one tiny request. Mm-hmm. Is worth a million dollars to most mm-hmm. people because what happens is you create this audit trail of people saying what a great job you did, and then when you mm-hmm. go in for your salary negotiation or you go in for your performance review, you have copies of all that. As I said you've got this track record of pleasing other people and of you know exceeding what their expectations were.
2: It's mm-hmm.
1: it, it, it's it's and you know that stuff gets in your if you're working for a company for any amount of time it gets, it gets in your employee file and people mm-hmm. look at that. Mm-hmm. Successive, job, successive jobs that you have from the company. And it's even transferable if you have records of them into other jobs in the sense you can right. say, here's you know, what, I, what I've done. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one piece of written documentation, but another piece is, is also important, which is keeping track of what you've accomplished versus your goals, which is kind of a busy work thing if you think mm-hmm. about it the wrong way. If you think about it the right way, it's your best defense against being stiffed when it mm-hmm. comes to your salary negotiations, but right. also, just as importantly, you eliminate credit stealing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, last night, I was, my wife and I have started watching the show The Good Wife, and it's about a lawyer who's in a very uh, difficult and political l- environment, mm-hmm. and in one of the early shows, her coworker goes and encapsulates what happened at a trial to one of the senior partners in a way that makes him seem like the hero. And even though the, the main character did all the work, and I turned to my wife after it was over, I said, see, that's why. Mm-hmm. You, always, you always have to be the person who does the minutes of the meeting. If there's a meeting where any significant decision was made or anything that you presented was accepted as consensus or anything happened that affects your career, the first thing you do is you write an email, here's what happened at the meeting, and mm-hmm. send it out. Because whoever does that, Gets to define what actually happened in the meeting, right. and if you don't do that, and if it's just kept verbal, your coworker might go in and take credit for everything that you, that you just mm-hmm. did.
0: Well, and you know, it's it's a two way street. Not only might they take the credit, the boss might not recognize who did it, and they they uh, erroneously give the credit to somebody else. So you really want to make sure that you're doing all of that. Um, you know, and and again, you're it's hmm? go ahead.
1: I just want to tell you, it's also important to do the op to do the other side of it, mm-hmm. which is when someone helps you or when someone does something good or something you see that's that's positive. You should always send a letter of thank you, always send an email saying, "Wow, oh, you did a good job on that," and be very generous uh, and with your praise and with your gratitude mm-hmm. for other people, people that help you. A lot of it is having your own attitude about what you do, and that will reflect back from other people. So there's mm-hmm. one way you defend yourself, but another thing is you. Be a positive advocate for right. your coworkers and for other people, and mm-hmm. especially for your boss, that goes a long way towards eliminating the problems before they happen
0: Mhm. Well, and we should just get into that habit. You know, it, it seems we do tend to look for the negative. You know, we're not happy when Starbucks takes 30 seconds longer than we thought they should, or, you know, we we talk with somebody online and they did something or, you know, I mentioned earlier, you're in a committee meeting and somebody, you know, does something you don't like. When you start looking for the positives, You'll see the positives in everything. Um, you know, and, and, and really take the time. Fill out the comment cards. You know, send the little things. I always like it when I've done something where I've, I've gone online and had customer support and I get one of those, what do you think about us? I respond to those as fast as I possibly can because first I would forget. Um, But I really want to tell them, especially if they did a good job, because I think so many people assume that, you know, oh, they only want to hear the negative so that they can improve. They want to hear the positives, too. So I think it really is something where people, as you said, should take advantage of it any time we possibly can.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that I emphasize in the book, which is business about the BS, Mm -hmm. which is with BS written out. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I emphasize in the book is that you have to um, that what that a lot of your experience that you have with work is governed by how you 're thinking about yourself and how you 're thinking about right. other people and it's it 's very important to realize that most people are trying to do the best they can with mm-hmm. whatever resources they 've got, and you kind of have to assume the best until you perceive the worst mm-hmm. and you know you can't expect people to be perfect you can't expect your boss to be perfect you can't expect any workplace to be perfect and it's important that you see not get into a state of, of hating your job or hating what you're doing and more into a state of oh well I'm going to get what I can out of it and if it's not right for me I'm actively finding something else mm-hmm.
2: well,
0: so well and I like taking, it
1: taking charge right taking yeah, charge and- of your career and taking charge of your life
0: and and i like the tips that you say in the book about if you really don't like your job still find some things that you like about it and and focus on those you know yeah you might really be trying to actively find something else but you know do the do your coworkers make you laugh is it you know do they have really good coffee you know there are some positives and that just kind of helps you not be quite so negative about things. And, and I liked that, that concept of, you know, see what you can find that is
1: positive. The problem with hating your job and using that word to characterize your job or hating mm-hmm. your boss and using that word to characterize your relationship or your feelings is that the words that you use influence the way you think about the situation. Right. So when you say something like that, you are creating more hate. You are making mm-hmm. yourself more revved up. You're getting yourself into a state where you're very negative about your job. Now, let's suppose you go to a job interview. The only company that's going to hire you is someone who thinks that someone who's filled with hate and desperation is a good employee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because people sense that. People sense that. You have to get to your – if you're going to find another job, you have to at least get to the point where you feel indifferent
2: mm-hmm.
1: to the situation that works. Right. Otherwise, you won't, you'll just end up in the same job somewhere else.
2: Mhm,
0: mhm, well, and you know it's, you mentioned at the, the start of the conversation that your book has all these short little tips, and that 's really where I saw the benefit coming in is you know it 's not a chapter that talks in long detail about how to not hate your job or how to have better communications or how to work with your boss. It's short, quick tips that that you really can get through pretty quickly, but they have an impact. You know, I think sometimes when you get caught up in the let's write an entire book about this subject, it goes on and on, and and you really get lost in. But I just needed five steps to be able to do this, and that's what I, I truly did like about your book.
1: There's no case studies in the book. There's maybe like one or two personal anecdotes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I mentioned my grandma I think I mentioned my grandmother once. But mm-hmm. mostly, it's it's I, I, there's no theory in the book or very little theory. It's really just here are the steps that you take mm-hmm. when you handle this situation. If your boss right. asks you to do something unreasonable, here's how you handle it. If mm-hmm. you have an empl- uh, you know a coworker who's consistently negative, here's how you neutralize that negativity. If, mm-hmm. if you've got if they if they start imposing management fads, here's how you handle each fad. And how you make, you know, use it either to use your advantage or get, kind of get out from under it. So this no practi- it's full of Business Without the BS is the book, and it's mm-hmm. full of practical uh, steps for actual situations that happen, um, like, like asking for a raise, like mm-hmm. be- learning how to say no to your boss in a way that doesn't ruin your relationship,
2: mm-hmm. like
1: how to handle someone who's bullying at work, all the mm-hmm. things that people run into that make things difficult, and then also how to find your dream job, how to achieve career security. And I, what I've done is is reduced a lot of information and a lot of complexity about the business world down to here's the real essence of what you need to know, mm-hmm. just follow these steps. So it's kind of a uh, business without the BS. It's intended to be uh, kind of a companion, like an ongoing mentor, that helps you through difficult times and helps you take advantage of the good times.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you mentioned that you don't have case studies. It's funny because as I was reading it, frequently I would go, ugh, that's happened to me, or ooh, I know somebody. And so I was inserting my own case studies and then kind of thinking, okay, this is maybe how I should have handled it differently or ooh, I got it right when I was was working through that process. Um, and you know, case studies are valuable, but to me... I find more value in it when it actually is something that that I can internalize and think okay how do I work with the employee the coworker who is always so negative because we've come across those people right or as you mentioned the boss that's a bully I had a boss that threw things and you know used language that you know we definitely can't use here on the radio and was just one of those absolutely horrific people and as I was reading it, I thought, okay, maybe I should have handled this a little bit differently, but, you know, I did handle this right and, and things like that. So that's that really was kind of what I took out of this was you didn't have to have case studies because we've all kind of experienced those.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And one of the reasons that Business Without the BS has that aspect to it is because there were 250 readers on my blog who volunteered to be uh, like guest editors. And mm-hmm. all of them reviewed one or more of the sections of the book and provided their own perspective and suggestions for how uh, they handle the situation mm-hmm. and how they've seen other people handle it. So it, the book has a real kind of feed on the street feeling to it because mm-hmm. it was contributed, so many people contributed their wisdom to it. I'll give you an example. I had the, the, the chat, there's a chapter on how to um, say no when your boss asks you to do something unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Like work over Easter weekend or something right. like that. And how you how you respond to that. But also sometimes you get asked to do things that are outside your job description, like go wash the boss's car or cater a party or something <laughs> like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I I, I I go through a process for how you think about it, how you how you would say no, how you would if you don't say no, how you would extract a concession in return from the boss. But one of my readers wrote you have to understand once you do something it's now part of your job description. Right. So it's never yeah. a one-time thing. You so pick up that laundry
0: it, once, you pick it up every time.
1: One of the most important reasons to learn how to exercise your say no to the boss muscle, because it's, it's like a muscle, you have to exercise mm-hmm. it. One of the ways that you, it's most important is because otherwise you will end up doing... A lot of stuff that's not helping your career and maybe not even helping your boss either because, frankly, it may not, it probably isn't the best use of your time to be picking up laundry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So right. the boss is making a mistake using you that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and. So You're
1: kind of keeping the boss from doing something dumb, too.
0: Right. Well, and. And if he asks, he or she asks you to do something like that. More than likely, he is going to ask other employees to do that too. And you know, at some point, there could be a line that gets crossed um, that really is something that is is very inappropriate. You know, so like you said, you know, you're you're helping that boss too. And I love the fact that you point out in the book that ultimately, the the relationship you with the boss is the fact that they want you to make them look good. That's <laughs> really the the whole process. And, you know, as I mentioned, I see that with my clients. You know, sure, they're the ones paying me, so I see them as the boss. But my job is to make them look good, you know, whether it's the event planner and I've given a good presentation or, you know, I've I've given a, a good training seminar. It's to make them look good for selecting me. So that, you know, it really is that process of you want to make the boss look good. Now, you know, hopefully we'll, the boss acknowledges it.
1: That's the other side of it is that the boss's job is to make you look good. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different when you have a client-customer relationship mm-hmm. because you're looking good just by the fact that they hired you right. and you're, well, the, way you, the job that you do becomes part of your reputation and mm-hmm. that becomes part of referral selling. So, mm-hmm. But when you're in a, in a corporate situation and you work for someone uh, you know, who is your boss, that person needs to be responsible for your success. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for the boss's success, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's reciprocity. And if your boss doesn't understand that, your number one priority is still to make the boss successful. That never changes. But you you but your other second priority then becomes find another job or find mm-hmm. another boss, because there's a fundamentally thing missing in the relationship. It's become mm-hmm. exploitive. Good bosses see themselves as. Servants who help other people be successful, mm-hmm. and when they have that attitude, you get these really great bosses with great relationships.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you were talking about crossing boundaries. Uh, when you had that boss who was yelling, that was crossing a, a, a huge boundary.
2: Mm-hmm. And for
1: some reason, it's become acceptable to do that in some environments in uh, in the business world. When in fact, it's not acceptable. It's abusive, and the, people make a lot of mistakes when they're confronted with that. And I saw it myself. I had a boss exactly like that. And, uh, in fact, I used the example of working over Easter weekend. He demanded mm-hmm. of one employee that she work over Easter weekend, and she threw a pencil at him. Oh! <laughs> and, from, and from then on, she yelled back at him, mm-hmm. threw a pencil at him, and from then on, she was the one person who he always treated with respect. Mm-hmm. He never yelled at her again. He never demanded anything unreasonable. And, in fact, you could see that was who, who he respected because mm-hmm. finally, as you could almost see the leap on his face, finally someone stood up to me. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what people who, who get like that, they get angry and frustrated, and they get caught up in their anger and frustration, and then people start placating, mm-hmm. which just makes them more angry. Right. You can't placate. You have to raise your intensity level and get mm-hmm. to where they are, and then you have to demand professional behavior. I don't mm-hmm. recommend throwing pencils. No, but no. I do recommend saying, you know, demanding... Professional behavior, and then Mm -hmm. if the person cannot get control of himself or herself, you leave the room
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and say, "We can discuss this when you've collected yourself." Right. And essentially, you have to think about your boss as your as an employee in a way. You have to manage your manager, and when Mm -hmm. you've got a, a, a manager or an employee or anybody who's out of control, you need to set the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then insist upon them and leave if are if, if, if you're not going to be treated professionally
2: mm-hmm. right.
1: right but well and like in I said, my takes, in that my, takes courage mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. takes oh, courage yeah. see, and that's yeah. why you need to have career security mm-hmm. and we probably should talk about how you use social media one of the ways' oh, to create that mm-hmm. or help create that career security mm-hmm. right.
0: You know, and, and because social media really is a critical component in this. Um, now, obviously, there are people who don't use social media. Um, I have a, a good friend who has absolutely no presence on social media at all. She said, you know, she doesn't want to get caught up in it, and that's fine. But they are more the the rare person as opposed to, you know, they're, they're the exception as opposed to, to anybody else. So, you know, how how do you go about working with people to tell them how to use social media to create this career security?
1: Well, even if you don't do anything on social media, you're being def- defined, if you have any visibility at all anywhere,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are being defined on the internet by whatever search right. comes up mm-hmm. on your name and on the company you work for. So you're pre predefined anyway,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: participating in social media, particularly sites like LinkedIn, allow you to hone and more define where you are and where you want to be.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: probably the most common mistake made is to think of a, a site like LinkedIn as a, um, as a resume, right. when in fact it's, it's a document that explains why you're good at your job
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and also positions you for the next job. Mm-hmm. But people, you know, they list, they think of it as a resume and all these things that they did in the past and all the details that they did and what they took in college. That's all completely, most of that's irrelevant. What you have to do is think about what is it, if people read it, are they going to think more highly of me
2: mm-hmm.
1: or, think, or, or see me as a potential resource as opposed to, uh, and, and then how can I use that? to help me develop further opportunities and social mm-hmm. media is one way to start developing those other opportunities that lead to career security.
0: Right. Well and you know I have so many people who tell me well I don't need to be on LinkedIn because I already have a job and I want to just hit them with a pencil <laughs> you know, and and say no you know and and even if you you know you as we said you love your company you think you're going to be there forever or you you own your own business and you hope to do that forever. LinkedIn is such a critical tool because it allows you to communicate with people. And you know maybe say you are the employee that loves your job and and you know thinks you're going to be there forever. Well, what if you're on LinkedIn and you found a great article? That you can show your boss, you know. So then, who you just raise your points there with the boss. Or clearly, recommendations is is a good place to, to be using LinkedIn. But how else should somebody who's happy with their job be using something like LinkedIn to create career security?
1: You have to look at all your participation in social media as
2: mm-hmm.
1: creating your brand. Creating a brand image is really what right. it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Create- and brand just for those of people who don't really understand marketing, isn't like a corporate logo or anything like that. The brand is Mm -hmm. the way people feel when they think about something. Mm -hmm. So the brand Chevy isn't the little logo or the thing Chevy. It's how people feel about Mm -hmm. Chevy. And so what you want to use your social media to help people, to help define uh, and help people feel positively about what you're contributing. And just as importantly, not... Be confused by what you're portraying, right? And having long lists of resumes where you have jobs that, because most people have, you know, make complete different career changes every ten years, is quite common. Mm-hmm. Having all that old stuff there just sort of confuses people. It doesn't mm-hmm. really it doesn't really help help very much. Uh, but you you mentioned that, um, the situation where someone has no presence at all on mm-hmm. linkedin i'm running into a lot of situations where it's the exact opposite and there's too much information up there oh yeah and uh, i in business without the bs i mentioned that in particular and i just recently ran across a pretty horrendous example of that it was someone who i um was hiring to do a certain some work work for me and in the process of doing a quick check got on uh got on her MySpace page, which hadn't been deleted, oh. mm-hmm. and it had high school pictures, and under one of them was an extremely inappropriate and offensive joke. Ooh. And, and I mean, I, 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 would, I can't even really say what it was because it's so offensive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But But it made you, you think, I conce- can't
0: hire this person.
1: Actually, it made me think, this person needs to clean this up. I had already, at that point, hired her a couple of times, and she did such ah. excellent work at mm-hmm. such a good price, I kept on. Mm-hmm. But my thought was that somebody else might have that mm-hmm. impression. Someone else right. might go, oh, that's, that, that's weird. And this was a particularly special case because this was a person who was doing college, something that normally would be a college degree, even though ah. she only has a high school diploma.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it for her, she had created a very uh, compelling web site and web presence and mm-hmm. image, but she was undermining it by not going back and cleaning up all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Well, and I, find and that I think it's fairly common. It is, you know, and and it's one of those things where I talk to people and they tell me, well, I have a great LinkedIn page. And then they forget that, you know, people also are going to look on other social media sites. I've had it happen twice where I received a phone call and it, they said, you know, hi, this is XYZ company. We are uh, considering hiring, you know, Betty Boop and we say that you're her friend on Facebook. Tell us what she posts about. And, you know, in one time it was was somebody where they had been posting things very inappropriate, but I was not, you know, I was not going to say that. But another time it was somebody who I, you know, had absolutely no problem giving a very good recommendation to. But it really was one of those things that struck me because they looked at you know that person's facebook page and then drill down even further to contact somebody and you know it's it's the same thing out in the real world you know if i bring in somebody for an interview i might try and find somebody that you know, that they have networked with, for example, and ask them about them, as opposed to just looking at the three referrals that they gave, because those three referrals are better, you know, give, give good things. We want to delve deeper, especially if it's an employee or, you know, a position that really needs that. And, and I think that's where people really mess up on social media is they think, well, I can post what I want on Twitter, on Facebook, because that's my personal space. And it's really not anymore.
1: There is no personal space, right? And you have to be aware that you're creating you're creating your brand image on all those pages. Mm-hmm. I have a chapter on this in Business Without the BS, the book mm-hmm. that I'm on a show to talk about. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's important about that this is a new one that actually isn't in the book that I wanted to share with your audience because mm-hmm. this is a specific audience that would be interested in it is that. Don't clean out everything in your past. Just clean oh. out the stuff you don't want people to see.
2: Mm-hmm. Some
1: people have gotten dinged for not having any Facebook page at all.
2: Oh, hmm. or interesting. Not. You, you, you,
1: yeah, yeah, because they figure it's so awful you've, or you've made it so private because there's mm-hmm. stuff there that used to be better for you to create. Okay, here's the part I want to share with the world, mm-hmm. and here's the part, part I don't, and the mm-hmm. part that you don't. Just keep it off the social media. Right. And it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, like awful things, like the example that I gave you, but it could just mm-hmm. be things that are discordant or irrelevant.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I find it fascinating that so many people in their Twitter profiles have to mention their marital status, that they're dads, that their moms, that they have kids and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I understand where they're coming from. They're trying to say, hey, I'm a real person.
2: Right. Well, actually, mm-hmm.
1: we know you're a real person, uh-huh. but that is that is... It's, I don't know. It's it's sort of personable. I'm a committed dad. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. But is it really relevant to mm-hmm. what you're communicating about in Twitter? Right. Is it really relevant mm-hmm. to you? Want, kind of. If you if you have to think of your presence online as how you're representing yourself to the world, and you and you don't want m- much that creates a counter eddy mm-hmm. that makes it feel let. Like, okay, that doesn't quite make sense.
0: Right. Well, and of course, the the posts that we always see that we think, oh heavens, are the the extreme political posts, or um, you know, it was it was funny, you know, the the uh, Belmont stakes was yesterday, and so we were all, of course, on Facebook, kind of talking about how the the owner uh, of the the uh, of, uh, California Chrome kind of went off a little bit, and you know, uh, one of the things I posted, I had somebody that basically called me an idiot, and I'm thinking. You know, really? Was that what you wanted to say? <laughs> because now I have a very negative opinion of you. So it, it all ties together, which is really pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's another piece of it, too, is that the history of business is littered with personal brands that have gotten totally destroyed because of indiscreet. Mm-hmm use of electronic communications. Right. It can be uh, an email, certainly is the worst offender, but increasingly now you're seeing it in really dumb posts, really dumb tweets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, even when someone is trying to be anonymous, you have to remember there is no anonymity. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to find out who you are, they will find out who you are. If they want to Mm -hmm. find that out, they will. Uh, so right you have to kind of think on your online presence i mean it doesn't mean you have to be secretive but you just have to be aware that everyone's listening
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that stuff that you think is private online probably isn't
0: mm-hmm. well and you know if you're going to post something that is controversial or something just be aware that it can have ramifications
1: yeah definitely definitely and one of the things that I think many people don't realize is that even if you're not speaking for your company, if you work for a company, if you say something controversial like that online, it will often be taken as, oh, well, this is what the company believes because Mm -hmm. they tolerate employing someone who believes
2: this. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's – so I honestly – I, I definitely believe that it's it's wiser to avoid controversial subjects online in general
2: mm-hmm. and
1: to certainly have a little red flag. Anytime, this actually goes back to the email days. You need to have a little mm-hmm. red flag that goes up whenever you write something and you, you're feeling hot under the collar. Whenever you write something on a computer and you feel under the collar, don't hit the send button. Yes. Don't mm-hmm. hit the finish button. Let it sit mm-hmm. for, you know, sleep on it and then – Decide whether you really want to send that in the, mor- in the right.
2: morning.
1: Right, Absolutely, the best thing. And and even more important, because at least an, e- an email might go into the nothingness in the sense that someone will get mm-hmm. it, just delete it, and forget about it, and it might mm-hmm. not come back and bite you. But if but if it's a post and it's everyone oh. sees it, people are going to snap the screen. Mm-hmm. It's it's out there, mm-hmm. so you have to be doubly careful when you're when mm-hmm. you're when you're posting things and when you're because you're now in a very public square.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, never, ever, ever talk about, especially a current employer, um, you know, on, on, say, your Facebook page in a negative way. Um, You know, I, uh, in one of my training seminars, I use an example of a woman who was posting on Facebook along the lines of, my boss is so stupid that I deliberately sabotaged a project and he never figured it out. And you know, it's like oh, really well she works with people that she was friends with on Facebook. And that person just did a print screen, took the pic you know, took that into the boss, and that you know, that the poster lost their job. And you know, her comment was, Well, but it, it was a personal comment. Well, you know what? If you say something like that in the workplace, somebody still might go and tattle on you. But, you know, if you've put it in writing, then, you know, you deserve to to kind of get in trouble for it.
1: And it's also important, I think, to flip it around the other way, is that one of the ways that you can most effectively use social media is to to learn things about other people, certainly. And I think that's one of the most Mm -hmm. underused portions, is allows you to, when we're talking about the other side of making sure that you're presenting yourself well, but also um, looking People's information up and getting a sense of who they are, like a mm-hmm. potential customer or uh, or even your coworkers or your boss is a great way to get to know them better mm-hmm. and um, and it's a good thing to do that, and it's a positive thing to do that and it can help you do research into the people who you're trying to develop as customers right. So that's that's a very wonderful function of it, but another function as well is to become part of communities where you can discuss things
2: mm-hmm.
1: and at not. Not scary political stuff, but where you can discuss issues related to uh, your industry, related to your job, related to mm-hmm. uh, you know other aspects. I kind of say positive at work things like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen there's some forums that discuss being a small business owner and some of the challenges mm-hmm. that you faced. Getting on those forums helps you connect with other people. It's not the same as connecting with them in person, right. but you have that opportunity to start building. Relationships and start uh, communicating with people. And I've, for example, have ended up trading books with people. Here's my book. Mm -hmm. You send me your book, and we'll both read it and talk about it, just because of the connections that we made through, um, you know, tweeting each other's stuff. Mm -hmm. So it becomes part of. That becomes a way to start developing the deeper relationships for which are really what you bring with you wherever you go. Uh, And that's really, that's the other big part of career security is having connections and having good relationships with people you've worked with over the years. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and it's all about that whole process. You know, you don't want to have to go to somebody who you haven't been in communication with, whether, you know, online or, or out in the real world for years and say, hey, I need help. Because more than likely, they might ignore you. But if you've had kind of this they ongoing might. relationship, yeah, you know, hopefully they you know, they may or they may not. But if you've had an yeah. ongoing relationship with them, it just increases the possibility that they will help
1: you. Yes, yes, that's true. And um, and it seems sort of self-serving when you get in touch with someone like that. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, if if that's the only connection that you've got.
0: Right, oh, that. yeah.
1: Um, but what is important what is important is you want to stay connected with people and you want to become involved and, and remember things and um, and because that's really what your what your value is
2: uh, mm-hmm. as
1: you, as you move forward, for example, for a writer like myself, um, keeping good relationships with different editors that I've worked for um, is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the other day, <laughs> I ended up interviewing a guy, and this is a case where I actually had gotten out of touch. I ended up interviewing the publisher of Forbes. Mm-hmm. And while we were talking, it fought, I figured out I knew I'd recognize his name. I had written for him 15 years ah. ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> when he was in a completely different place. Oh, how fun. And then we started talking about old times and things like mm-hmm. that. So it, it's really the connections that you make with people are really what that's really what creates creates long-term career security because that's where you're going to be able to find other opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know it, it is about kind of seeing what you can do to help them and you know providing good information that they see as a good resource. And the funny thing is they, you might not get feedback from them you know maybe you're posting on linkedin and and you post an article a day that that they really like or in your example you write a column a day on Inc.com, <coughs> excuse me someone might never ever respond but they're reading it and then you know if and when the time comes where it's appropriate to to communicate directly with them they have that background you know and, and i tell people it's not about how many people liked your post or, you know, even commented on it because it, it is, you know, they're still seeing it. You know, it, it it sometimes baffles me when I go meet with somebody and they will tell me, oh, yeah, I've been reading your posts on Facebook or on LinkedIn for years and I really like it. I'm like, really? How come you've never responded? Well, you know, they've just never felt the need, but there was that connection there.
1: Yeah, and that's specific to people who have reasonably large Large audiences. One of the mm-hmm. things I do bring up in business without the BS is that uh, unless you want to really make a commitment to a blog, don't start writing one. Right. Um, and because most people, in my experience, have about ten good blog posts in them, and then they run out. <laughs> now, that could be ten weeks or it could be ten months.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. It takes a very different sort of personality and a way of thinking to write a blog post every day, every work day, mm-hmm. which I've been doing since February of 2007. So I'm at about 2,000 posts now, which comes out to about a million wow. words, which is roughly equivalent mm-hmm. to something like 16 business books mm-hmm. um, of typical length. So yeah, I know. It's funny. After about three years, I start thinking, oh, I'm going to run out of things to write about. And that was four years ago. So. I no longer even worry about that. I always can find something mm-hmm. interesting to, to write about. And, but that's because I'm a professional writer, and I'm a very fast writer. Most people can't mm-hmm. do that. So you have to be realistic when you're, when you're doing things on social media, realistic to your ability to actually continue to communicate and actually continue to write interesting content. Not everyone has that mm-hmm. skill. Um, not, it's not so, such a problem with, with Twitter or with short posts and uh, micro blogging but if Mm -hmm. you're really trying to build up an audience by creating content it's a long slog. It takes Mm -hmm. a long time and it takes a lot of writing to do it.
0: Well and I think that is probably one of the things that the people tell me the most whether they're talking about blogging or you know even just status updates on LinkedIn or or Facebook is they say you know "I, I don't know what to write or where to get the content so you know obviously you you take it to an extreme because you have written so many things but where do you find that content um you know is it just yeah how many uh, people ask me how many hours a day do i spend on social media well that's not a fair question because it's on all the time for me but you know where where do you find your content
1: i find my content from kind of from reading reading a lot and reading mm-hmm. a lot and thinking mm-hmm. about things Um, you'd be surprised how much my understanding of corporate politics proceeds from reading history, because Ah. people are the same. And Mm -hmm. an understanding of some of the broad issues of history and and historical biographies kind of enlightens the way people think. And even Mm -hmm. though we have a lot of great technological tools, people kind of remain the same. But in uh, in Column, um, I... Draw on my own experience. I draw on what other people are thinking about and kind of collecting them together. And I often interview experts who give me information or or, or I talk to them and then I, I, I kind of give my take on it. I rewrite it in a set of bullets mm-hmm. or I, rewrite it and I send it to and say, How's this look? And everyone is always delighted um, because I have a peculiar ability to be able to reduce complicated things to very easily read things, which is reflected in business without the BS, which is one of the reasons why I think mm-hmm. it's doing so well is that it, everyone's said it's a very easy read and you can get through it very quickly mm-hmm. and right. learn what I've got to mm-hmm. say very quickly. Uh, but the same thing's true of blogging. You need to. Um, you take what probably what the most valuable thing you can do in any blog is to simplify. Mm. Summarize. Mm-hmm. That's something you're reading, something you think is interesting. Um, another way is to have such a broad ra- a, a sense of what is interesting to other people. You know, Guy Kawasaki, who's uh, he's got a great Twitter feed, but it's often mm-hmm. not about business stuff at all. It's just about stuff he thinks mm-hmm. is interesting. Right. Almost every time I've clicked on one of his the links he's put in his post, I've I've come up with, hmm, oh, that's interesting, or or, mm-hmm. or I've laughed mm-hmm. because it was genuinely funny. And mm-hmm. I don't. He told me I actually spoke with him a while back, and he said one of his goals is to make sure that everything he. Um, he tweets, gets, I think it was some figure, a hundred retweets. He looks for mm. things that would interest people and just gives a one-sentence mm-hmm. summary of them. And mm-hmm. he has a sense for how what people think is interesting. So I think that's mm-hmm. the key, really. If you're not great on content producing, it's probably being able to just kind of understand what people are interested in reading about and helping point them in that direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it's it's about, you know, we'll, we'll bring it back to social media. It's about connecting with people who provide great content, you know, whether it's Guy Kawasaki on Twitter or Richard Branson on LinkedIn, you know, and, and all of those things. Finding them, I mean, you're not having to start from scratch when you're already finding great content out there. Um, and, and you are one of the, the people who posts on LinkedIn's talent blog. So that's a great place to find content there. Um, you know, it's, it really is, you're not starting from scratch every single time.
1: That's true. Um, to be fair, there's a little bit of a different dynamic in the case of myself in that I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a journalist and I'm, I'm paid to blog. But right. Your job is to go do I'm that. I've proven, my it's my job. It's a proven, I'm a proven quantity that people want to read mm-hmm. and I have a following. But it took a long mm-hmm. time of writing at a, at a loss. And I remember when I was, had celebrated when I got 100,000 100, page views in a, in a month. Uh, mm-hmm. God, I'd be, that would be disastrous for me if my number's that low now. <laughs> All um, right. So it's, but that's just. That's just because it's a slightly different situation. And I am a professional mm-hmm. writer and I've been a professional writer for many years. So the writing mm-hmm. part is a lot easier for me than it would be for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, that's and, why you know, you I get quantity. books out. And that's, right. Yeah, there's quantity right, and, yeah. and both quantity and quality involved. I'm, I'm just saying that the example is doesn't have to be an everyday thing. One of my favorite mm-hmm. bloggers is Penelope Trunk. She's uh, She's brilliant. I, but she usually posts only once a week, and but everything mm, she mm-hmm. does is fascinating. And she's one who's melded her personal life into her professional life, and she'll write about mm-hmm. having high needs children, and she writes about having, you know, dealing with with life as someone who's got Asperger's pretty heavily, which she does. And she mm-hmm. she'll talk about how she like posed nude when she was in college and things like that. Stuff that self-revelatory stuff that. Mm -hmm. I generally don't recommend people write about, but she's so interesting
2: in how Mm -hmm. she writes
1: it that it it works. It works, and so it doesn't have to be a daily thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for most people, what's important about social media is making sure that you have a LinkedIn profile that supports what you're doing is not just a resume that says here are the real accomplishments of what you're doing now mm-hmm. and what you're planning on doing, and that kind of, and that also positions you for whatever other opportunities you want to go want to be in, and then making sure mm-hmm. that your other social media supports that goal and adds to your brand. So you think of LinkedIn mm-hmm. as being your professional brand, and then mm-hmm. everything else kind of feeding into that brand as helping you create this uh, sense of who you are. So that people seek you out as a center of expertise so you become on top of their list when they think of someone to do a job so that you have the opportunities uh, that, that you really deserve to have. Um, and that's right. a big thing about business without the BS is because if you clear out all the BS, then you can get down to building an, a great career and doing interesting stuff and really helping other people. And that, you know, it sounds corny, but changing the world in a positive way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and mm-hmm. that's what, that's why you want to get away from all the BS because it's that BS. It's the, the weird politics and the cranky people and the, the, the weird lies that float around and the nonsense. It, once you get rid of that, you can actually have a whole lot of fun at work and a whole lot of fun doing what mm-hmm. you like doing. And even doing mm-hmm. stuff that you don't really care to do that much becomes a lot more fun. <laughs> if you, if you mm-hmm. kind of, right. okay, I don't have to, yeah, I can get away from the BS. Yeah, I can do business without B.S. I don't have to have mm-hmm. that as part of my life. If it comes at me, here's how I'm going to get rid of it, get it out of the way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: get it out of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, as you said, it's it's a series of simple little steps to go through. Uh, you know, one of the ones that struck me was if you are you, if a manager and you're dealing with somebody who is the constant complainer, you know, a- acknowledging it and actually giving them the chance to vent and then saying okay do you want my help and if they don't no they just wanted to vent okay go on more than anything they just wanted to be heard and you know how many times have we come across that in you know in our lives whether it's a spouse a child a coworker you know they just want to be heard you don't have to solve the problem for them just you know and and then the cool thing is you've stopped that bs you know you've stopped them complaining about it because you heard them and then you can go on
1: Well, and giving a kind of, as any, well, I think it's extremely important for people when they go to their boss to go, come in with either a solution to a problem. When you bring a problem to the boss, you should either have a solution or a willingness to take the boss's advice. Because really, the boss isn't there as someone to vent on. Mm -hmm. And, but that happens, so I have advice for the boss, here's how you deal with it, when it happens, you let the person go through, you set a limited amount of time, you mm-hmm. let that happen, and then you say, do you, do you want my advice, and if the answer is no, you say, okay, fine, I hope that helped. If the answer is yes, then you say, here's what I do in this situation, and then mm-hmm. if you start getting yabbits, yeah, which is when the person, you give someone advice and they say, yeah, but you get right. you say, mm-hmm. we'll that's my best in. advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you say that's my best advice, and you kind of let it go'cause you don't want to get caught up what you don't want to get caught up in someone's uh, negative or self reinforcing process, but you can create mm-hmm. yeah buts real quickly by not listening to somebody in the first place, jumping to a mm-hmm. solution or trying to solve the problem that's just gonna makes people feel like they're not heard so you right. you have to let the complainer complain a bit and then you say do you want my best Opinion of what to do, and if they say yes, you give it, and then pretty much conversation over. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and again, that's that's not letting your employee create BS for you because that, yeah, but right. and the, the why I can't do this and why I, that's not useful. And from the employee mm-hmm. end, like I said, you want to always come into the boss's. If if you talk about a problem, you always should have a solution or a couple of solutions Mm -hmm. that you have in mind that you need to bounce off the boss's wisdom and perspective or or even approval. Or you need Mm -hmm. to be willing to listen to what the boss has to say about how you would handle that situation. And needless to say, don't ever go in and complain about politics or the economy or anything that the boss can't (laughs) do anything about. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more irritating to most bosses than hear an employee complain about something the boss can't do anything about. Mm -hmm. It's like it's maddening because that's not useful. And and in business, when you strip the BS away from business, it's all about being useful. It's all about adding Mm -hmm. financial value. And uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: whether you like it or not, people don't care. No one cares what you think you want, need, or deserve at work. What it really comes down to is what value are you adding.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Well, and it's funny you know when when i was reading the book and and i finished up reading it last night one of the things i came away with was the boss is not your friend and that's not their job to be your friend. Um, you know, and, and they really can't be your friend, especially in difficult times. So you know, it's, it's one of those things where the book really was very beneficial to me you know, as, as a private contractor, all of those various things. And so you know, we've got just a couple of minutes before we need to wrap up. So tell people how they find and buy the book.
1: Oh, the book is available, as they say, anywhere fine books are sold. Uh, it's available online from from Barnes and Noble. It's available on Amazon. It's a, you can even get the book at Walmart on the Walmart website. Oh. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's, there's uh, an iBook that you can buy for your iPad. There's Kindle versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I just found out there's going to be an Arabic version. So it's being translated into a bunch mm-hmm. of other languages. I've never had a book. I've had books, wow. you, know, you know, translated into other languages. I've just never had an Arabic mm-hmm. version.
0: <laughs> that so, that'll well, be interesting. And how well, do they find you? It's all really well. well.
1: It's a, I, I yes, I'm yes. delighted. I'm delighted that so many people around the world are interested in it, and that it's reaching mm-hmm. uh, cultures as diverse as as Arabic speakers. I think it's right. very exciting. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously it's it's got great information. So Jeffrey, tell people how they find you online and connect with you.
1: Well. Uh, if you just do a Google search on Jeffrey James, that's G E O F F R E Y space J-M-E-S, it'll pop up with my blog, it'll pop up with my website, and it'll pop up with the book. Uh, I have really good SEO, as they say, search engine optimization, <laughs> great, and just, great. that'll pop up. So just enter the name and that's and the easiest way to find me.
0: And obviously, they can go to ink.com and read your columns. I had fun going back through and, and reading some of the old ones. And Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it's really been been very beneficial. Like I said, I loved reading the book and you know, got a great deal out of it, and I hope our readers will too. For everyone, thank you for listening, and have an absolutely fabulous day. Again, Jeffrey, thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Well.